Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. Here we are, Sunday morning. Uh, We have a lot to be happy about and thankful for and a lot to look forward to. One of those things I'm looking forward to is uh, the Cowboys playing the Redskins today. Um, if, if you know Mac, if I don't know, most of you guys know Mac. He's like the, the real, real, real strong brother, like one of, the, one of the, our gatekeepers, almost like a bodyguard. Um, his son, Mac Jr., plays for the Redskins. And um, I was like, man, yeah, that's amazing. Except for they play the Cowboys today. So yesterday we, we, were, <laughs> we, were, at, we were at Fall Fest uh, yesterday, which it was amazing Fall Fest yesterday was really, really awesome. Yeah. We had a great time. Uh, but there, we had an opportunity. I had an opportunity to see Mac, and he had his Redskin shirt on. And I said, hey, player, you know, we, we play you guys tomorrow. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we started to talk. And something that is that I wanted to share with you guys that I thought was so cool is um, as he was leaving, he was like, yeah, I got to go get ready. And I was like, what, what's going on? He was like, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm going to the game. And usually I drive up there. Uh, but but Mac Jr. said, nah, nah, nah Dad, you don't, you don't, you don't got to drive no more. Uh, I, I want to fly you up. And that he didn't say it in a in a boastful way. He he said it in a way where, as a father, he was proud. And it wasn't like, yeah, I don't got to drive no more. It was, I don't have to drive anymore. And um, his his son is playing today, and and I thought about what it must feel like. For a father to witness his son accomplishing his dreams and what kind of love and impact it must have as a father to watch your children achieve what their hearts ultimately want to achieve and the pride and love and enthusiasm that Mac had with with one smile. He said, it was almost, I don't have to drive anymore. It almost hit him at that point. And I and I said, man, what 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 would would I have to do for God to be so proud of me that way? And at that moment, I felt a little voice say, nothing. Because you are, I'm proud of you. So that was a quick little story that I wanted to share with you guys, something that blessed me yesterday at Fall Fest. Um, and, and like we, we, we just mentioned earlier, Uncle Mike said earlier, we, we've been in Romans chapter 12, R12, and it's been dynamic. It's been amazing. It's been it's so much breakthrough, so much growth um, that today... I want to I stay within the vicinity of Romans chapter 12, but also bounce around 
um, to, to actually one other book. It's the first book of the Bible. Last time I was with you, I told you that my favorite book of the Bible is Genesis. It just so happens. It's a coincidence that I'm going to go to Genesis also. So um, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 12, and we're also going to be in Genesis. Um, I want to read... Uh, I want to read, I want to read most of the chapter and then we'll pray. Um, but if you could, if you would, I know that you guys probably walked in here and if you could, if you can't, that's totally fine. But if you could, um, could you stand for the reading of the word and just, let's just honor God by reading the word and standing not to be super traditional. I just, I, I love, I love standing and reading God's word. So we'll pray right after this. Um, so Roman, uh, Romans chapter 12 a living sacrifice to God. I'm going to be reading from the NLT version. Give you a moment. If you, if you got it, say, I got it. I got if you don't say, hold up. Okay. Did you say, you don't even got a Bible. You told me to hold up and don't even have a Bible. We're going to read. <laughs> a, li- a living sacrifice to God. Do you mind if we, if we, if we read, we read most of the chapter? Is that okay? There it is right there. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all uh, all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Hmm. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Everybody say the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a specific function, so it is with, the Christ, with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we will and all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. 
I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Let God add blessing and understanding to the reading of his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, first and foremost, because you are who you say you are, and you will never cease being that. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to be in your presence, to have an opportunity to become more like you. Father, I pray that everyone here and every family represented in this room, Father, would be blessed today. God, in this moment, I ask God that you would anoint my lips, that you would anoint my mind, that you would anoint my tongue, that you would remove me and add you. Let my words be your words. Father, in this moment, in front of my family, I ask that if there's anything that would prevent your message from coming through me, that you would forgive me, God, in this moment and allow your words to work through me. Father, we truly want to become our 12 Christians. We truly want to affect our community. We truly want to represent you the right way. God, be here, Father. Show up. In your precious name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. You can be seated. Before we go on, I just want to give a shout out to my, my mom and dad. They're, it's not biological, but it could be. We, we almost look alike. Um, my dad and my mom are on the front row. Yeah, yeah, I might know them. Uh, they are the matriarch and patriarch, well, patriarch and matriarch. The leaders are shepherds of the house, um, Apostle Bill Johnson and Dr. D. Ann Johnson. Thank you so much. Um, and, and I love them a whole bunch, but there's somebody in the same role who I love a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, and that is my, my caramel frappuccino, my good thing, my rib, the person who makes me wake up in the morning, the person who makes me roll over and look at her and be like, thank you, God. The person who, who cooks my food, the person who washes my clothes, the person who puts up with my craziness. I can be attitudinal and emotional and a whole bunch of other stuff. But God has blessed me with a wife who is no drama. No drama. She, somebody who gave her, gave her a, an amazing amount of patience to be able to, to deal with a person like me. And I'm truly blessed to have Clarissa as my partner and teammate to go through life, not only to do ministry with, but to have fun with. We went on our date night last night. I ain't going to go no further. It was amazing. But today, today is, is, is really, really good. It's a really awesome day. Um, and not just because it's Sunday and not just because the Cowboys are playing, but because we're in the house of the Lord. What up, LV? I see you over there, cowboy. Um, Romans 12, the first couple, the first couple uh, verses is re- really where I want to go ahead and set up camp. I apologize. The beer keeps hitting the mic. I see you, Corey. I'm just going to pull the shirt down a little bit. That's good. Got some wiggle room now. Okay. You can come on. You can fix me. But I'll keep going. Um, it's, I want to stay in the first couple verses um, of Romans chapter 12 and really camp there. Um, mainly where it says in, in verse two, where it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Um, and the next one in the next, and then it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect because of the privilege and authority God has given me. I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. 
after those two verses, we really begin to go into um, really, really, we talk about giftings and what it means to be a good Christian, what, it, what the real relationship and what true spirituality is. The, the first two or three verses really do talk about the way we think. And it says, let you be transformed. Let God transform the way you think and you will become a new person. And I went, man, so, so really, really this, this whole thing, so we, we already got God's love. That's it. We already got God's love. God is already here. Romans 1 through 11 is talking mainly about everything that Jesus did, explaining it. Romans chapter 12 is saying, hey, this is what we need to do. So when we look at Romans chapter 12, it's really talking about what we need to do. And the first two verses have to do with the way we think. And I said, man, so what is it? If, if something needs to be transformed, that means it's not what it's supposed to be. It has to turn into something different. So what it's saying is, is what our brain is and what our mind is right now isn't able to really understand what God has for us and who he is. Let me if you want to become who you who you were meant to be, let me change the way you think. And in verse three, it says. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. And this it's talking about in another and I guess in another translation, it talks about being sober minded and being sober minded is having a true evaluation of yourself. And in this verse it talks about, it, it, it points out, don't think too highly of yourself. And when I was thinking about not thinking too highly of myself, we, we, uh, Tony and, and um, Pastor and I, we were in his office and we had a little fun thinking about like, if Pastor Bill came out one day and was like, you know what? I'm the baddest preacher in this place. And, and whoever walked the earth and dropped the mic and walked out, it would be funny. We, we, because we know his character. We know that's not who he is. We not not. Well, we know he wouldn't he would never say anything like I think he's an amazing pastor. One of the best I ever met, not just because he's my pastor, but truthfully, because I know his heart. And we thought it was funny. But for some people, they would say that and you would go, "Mm, he's so boastful because of his actions. But what's crazy is we look at that where it says, don't think too highly of yourself. But being in youth ministry and in the back. I think there's in the back, there's there's another side of the way we think that can be just as detrimental to our life as thinking too highly of ourselves. And that, I think it may be thinking too lowly of ourselves and not really understanding who we are. When I begin to think about a story or scripture that would illustrate this the best, I thought of my main man, Jacob. And it's just guy, if you don't know who Jacob is, there's this family and Abraham is the dad. Um, well, he's the grandfather and he has a son named Isaac. Last time I was up here, we talked about that. And Abraham was married to a woman named Sarah and Sarah couldn't have a baby. So they were late in their 90s, like really late in life. And Sarah ended up getting pregnant. And I don't know if that goes makes you go, whoa at 90 years old getting pregnant, but that's an amazing feat. But God's word will go through anything, age, gen, anything for his word to come to fruition. And this is what's crazy, man, is 
is Abraham and Sarah got pregnant with Isaac, and then Isaac found his wife, Rebecca, and she actually was barren as well. And let, let matter of fact, let's jump. Let's jump there now. I'll take this out. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. Verse 21. When you got it, D, go ahead and throw it up on the screen for me. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. Once again, Rebecca couldn't have children. The same thing um, that Sarah couldn't. She couldn't have a child as well. So Isaac was talking to God and was like, hey, could you bless my wife? And it says the Lord answered Isaac's prayer. That's enough to leave right there. We could stop right there and be done. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebecca became pregnant with twins. Everybody say twins. Not only, not only did God answer Isaac's prayer, but he gave him double for his trouble. Next verse. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? She asked. Next one. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations from the very beginning. Everybody say two. The two nations will be rivals. Say rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. And your older son will serve your younger son. God tells Rebecca, states, tells her and says, you got you got two babies inside of you. And they're fighting. One is going to be stronger than the other one. And the older one will serve the younger one. So with that, Rebecca already knows what's going down. I got twins. One's going to be stronger than the other one. And my older one's going to going to serve my younger one. Everybody say older serving the younger. This is what happens. This is what's crazy. Let me let me come down here. Let me get comfortable. As the story goes on. Rebecca ends up giving birth to the twins. And one comes out covered in red, red hair. His name was Edom or Esau. The second one came out. His name was Jacob. It said that when Jacob came out and with birth, his hand was clasped to Esau's heel. The name Jacob literally means heel clasper or supplanter. Supplanter can be the definition of supplanter is deceiver. So you have Esau, which means red, because he was red, and you have Jacob, but his name was Deceiver. So as they started to grow up, I could imagine that there was a little bit of some tension and some conflict within the household. Esau grew to be a big man. If you've ever seen my brother, his name is Demetrius. Demetrius is about 5'9", 5, 5'10", 5, 160 pounds. Pretty boy. He's a pretty boy. Good-looking kid. Nice hair. Just, just fly guy. And I always looked at myself like an Esau and him like a Jacob because of the size difference. And I always looked at him and I was like, Jacob, but then I'm Esau. So bigger guy. Esau was a bigger guy, but he was covered in red, red hair, covered in red. Jacob was a smaller guy. It says smooth skin. And Esau used to go out and like to hunt game. He was a hunter. Now, growing up, Isaac really, really, I guess he, he, he saw himself in, in Esau. So he kind of migrated over to Esau. 
And Jacob grew up within the tents and he loved to cook and hang out with his mom. So Rebecca was more fond of her son, Jacob. So as they grew, there was tension and constant conflict. Esau came out first. And in that time, there was something called a birthright and a blessing. The birthright went to the eldest son. The eldest son and the birthright, what it really meant was he had the leadership, the leadership of the patriarch passed down to the eldest son. And the blessing of the father to the son meant he got double the amount, the portion of whatever the dad had. He would get double. So everybody say leadership Leadership. and money. money. So he got double the money and the leadership. One day when, when Isaac was getting older, he began to lose his sight. He was getting older. And in that time, they didn't write out wills. They would say it verbally. So he, he sat down Isaac and he, well, he sat down Esau. He said, Esau, I want you to go out and go hunting. I want you to get some, 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 some wild game and come back and cook it the way I like. I want one good meal before I die. One last good meal before I die. So Esau left. Everybody say Rebecca. Rebecca was hanging out in the other room, eavesdropping. And she said, ooh, Jacob, come here. So Jacob came over and was like, hey, Ma, what's up? And she was like, listen, uh, your daddy about to give Esau everything. I want you to have it. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to devise a plan in order for you to steal your brother's birthright. Now, well, the blessing prior to prior to this. Esau came in from a, from, uh, I guess, a non-successful or unsuccessful day of hunting. He came in hungry with nothing, starving. And he, he came in and when he walked in the kitchen, you ever walk in the kitchen like back in the day when your mama was cooking, you you wake up, you ever been sleeping, you wake up with something smelling so good. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Or on Thanksgiving, you wake up and your mama been cooking or your grandmama been cooking for days and you smell everything. And you just want you just want to taste the mashed potatoes and you get your hand. Don't touch the potatoes, boy. But you smell everything for days and you're so hungry. And you're like, oh, I just want some. That's the way he was famished when he came in. When Esau came from hunting, he came in and he was so hungry. I don't want to give it away, but he gave up some the most important thing that he had. He came in and Jacob was cooking. He said, Jacob, let me get some of that red stew you're cooking. And Jacob was like, "Mm, you got to give me something first. Well, what do you want? I want your birthright. Get my birthright. And the Bible says that Esau, he didn't even want his birthright. He despised his birthright. The word says that he says, what good is the birthright to me? Take it. Everybody say a hungry need need. is a dangerous need. He came to the point where his physical desires outweighed God's promise for his life. And in that moment, he gave what God had planned for him up for a bowl of stew. For a bowl of stew. Think about it this way. As Christians, 
our lineage, our foundation, our fathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He gave up it being Abraham, Isaac, and Esau for a bowl of stew. What's your bowl of stew? What's the promise that God has given you that maybe you aren't thinking about the right way? What is it that God has brought you to and maybe people around your environments or finances are causing you to give up who you are in order to become what they want you to be? In that moment, Esau, his need, his hungry need outweighed the promise that he had. And he said, "Okay, take my birthright. So Jacob steals his brother's birthright. Fast forward to what we just spoke about. Rebecca devises a plan for Jacob to now deceive his father. She says, I'm going to make some stew exactly the way your father likes it. And I want you to go give it to him. Now, Jacob being smooth skinned, smaller than Esau, smart guy. I really believe that sometimes when you aren't given the size or stature, you have to develop mental, mental fortitude and strength to be able to go through life. Because when you're smaller, because some of the most ferocious competitors that have ever played sports have been miniature, have been small. So when you're small, you have to use your mind a little bit more. And Jacob was a thinker. Jacob looked at Rebecca and said, Ma, I can't go steal this. What if he reaches out and touches my skin? Rebecca had an answer for that. She said, don't worry about it. We're going to put some animal skin on you. So if the daddy touch you, we're going to beat you up, make you smell bad, all of that. So when he touches you, you smell like your brother. You look like your brother. You feel like your brother. You're going to give your dad the stew. It's going to taste like what your brother would make. We got this all done. Boy, you're going to get what I want you to get. You want to know what's crazy? Is in Genesis chapter 25, God tells Rebecca. The older will serve the younger. His mama was interfering with the promise that God had for him. Get out the way, Rebecca. As parents, sometimes you got to let go and let God. God had already said it. Bro, this is what's going to happen. The moment God lies, he ceases to be God. Get out the way, Rebecca. Rebecca felt it was her need to set her baby up. It didn't matter what God said. It didn't matter what was happening. It didn't matter that everything that God said was going to happen was happening. She felt like she needed to nose her way in and say, my baby going to get this. So she she devised a plan that made her be contrary to what God said, make her son a deceiver, and deceive her husband. So Jacob's name, deceiver, he got it truthfully and honestly. He was taught this. So as he, as the stew is cooking, he, he puts on the animal skins, 
Isaac, again, in his older age, his, his eyesight's not real great. He's sitting in his old rocking chair, probably just chilling out, watching the game or listening to it because he can't really see it. And Isaac comes in with the bowl. Hey, Dad, here's your stew. And Isaac, being wise, don't sound like, you don't sound like Esau. Come here, let me touch you. Remember, Jacob was smart. I could see Rebecca in the corner saying, I told you we got you. <laughs> so he going over, gives the stew, touches the hand. You feel like Esau. You smell like Esau. It tastes like Esau's stew. Let me give you the blessing. He blesses his son. And Jacob now has stolen the birthright. Jacob's mom, Rebecca, helped him swindle the blessing. And here comes Esau. <laughs> Esau comes in. <laughs> smells okay. Wait, wait. Hey, Dad. Who's that? It's your son Esau. I'm, I'm here to give you the stew and get my blessing. I already gave you my blessing. That wasn't me, Dad. Well, well who was it? It, it my, Jacob? It must have been Jacob. There, there has to be something you can do, Dad, because there was only one blessing and there was only one birthright. So now Esau giving up his leadership, but keeping his money. I don't want the leadership. I just want the monies. Now you took my monies and my leadership. I'm a little mad. So he's upset and he says, I'm going to kill Jacob. Rebecca, once again, eavesdropping, overhears Esau saying, I'm going to kill Jacob. So once again, goes over to Jacob and says, you got to get out of here. Jacob runs. If you want to know the title, if you're a note taker, the title of today's message is a thief, a track star, and an overcomer. A thief, a track star, and an overcomer. So he runs. He done robbed his people blind. <laughs> now it's time to leave because he don't want to face the music. Remember, Esau's a big dude. So he runs off. And now at this point, Jacob views his life like, I got to get out of here. His mom says, I don't want you marrying these women, so don't go over there and get none of them women. I want you to go over there. I want you to go to your uncle's house, and you go over there. On the way to his uncle's house, he was traveling. Can you give me Genesis? I believe it's Genesis chapter 27. This is, guys, it's about to get good. Everybody say it's about to get good. So Jacob, in Genesis chapter 27, Jacob steals. Give me 28 verse 10. Oh, snap. Oh, boy. G yeah, 20, 28 verse 10. We about, we about to get lit now. Now it's about to turn up a little bit. I see y'all over there. Y'all did a great job. Did a great job this morning. Verse 10. And we're we going to go all the way through the, um, uh, this, this chapter. It says, meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. Stop. Don't go no more. He has a problem. He just robbed his brother. He, his mama helped him rob his dad. 
He got scared because Esau was coming and he started to run. He began to run from his problems and run from his past. He got tired. Put put the verse back up. You can leave it right there. When he was running, he got tired and it said that he got tired and he found a stone. What's another word for stone? A rock. Jacob was running from his problems, got tired of running from his problems and rested on the rock. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. Next verse. Oh, snap. As he slept, he dreamed. As he slept, he dreamed. The place, I'm I'm not going to give it up yet. It says, as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. Next verse. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and the God of your father, Isaac. Next verse. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. Notice when God is talking to Jacob, he says, I'm the God of your grandfather. I'm the God of your father. Never says I'm your God. Because up until that point, Jacob's life didn't meet up. He wasn't his God at this point. He was his God, but he wasn't his God. He wasn't his Lord. He wasn't his father. Says I'm your grandfather's God. I'm your father's God. They know who I am. Now watch me show you. You don't even know this, boy, but where you laying is already yours. You don't even know me and I done gave you stuff. You ain't even been in relationship with me and I've been taking care of you. You don't even know who I am and I don't have a plan for your life. I am giving it to you and your descendants. He don't even got a wife. He don't even, God's promise is so big for Jacob's life, it's not lining up with his current circumstances. Listen, boy, I got a plan so big and so far out for you that it's not you can't even see what's coming. What you already walking in is yours. You ain't got to do nothing. Just be you. It's for you. The same way I was with your grandfather, I'm going to be with you. The same way I was with your father, I'm going to be with you. You may not know me. They do. Ask about me. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you (laughs) and your descendants. My promise is not only for you and yours, but it's for all the families of the world. Do you know who you are? Go ahead, keep going. What's more, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. Not just the church. Not just when things are going good. Even when you're doing stupid stuff. I got you, baby. 
One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised. What's the next verse? (laughs) Then Jacob woke up. When he woke up, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware. Have you ever been in a situation that maybe after the fact you can trace God, but while you were in it, you had no glimpse, couldn't see his hand, couldn't see his fingertips, couldn't see his breath, couldn't see his protection, couldn't see his provision, couldn't see nothing. But afterwards you went, yeah, that was God. You ever been about to marry somebody? Or about to date somebody, and then God stop you or puts an end to it before it goes any further, and then you scrolling through Facebook and you see their picture and you go, What was I thinking? Thank you, God. Maybe not Facebook for everybody in the room. It's 8 a.m. Maybe, 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 maybe you go to Kroger. <laughs> you at Kroger, you see somebody, you go, Oh my goodness. They'd be like, hey, Adrian. I'd be like, hey. <laughs> Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. Next verse. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next verse. Um, this is really good. That 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 the first sentence of the next one troubles me. It says the next morning, Jacob got up very early. Jacob ran from his past, got tired. And came to a place that we now know is called the house of God. Jacob was tired and scared of his past. He ran from it, trying to outrun it, track star. He stole the birthright, thief. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God appeared to Jacob. Jacob was tired. He, he came to a place where he was so tired that he, he rested on the rock. And when he rested on the rock, the rock came to him in a dream. Revealed himself to Jacob and said, this is who I am. You know who I am because of what your parents and your grandparents have told you about me. Now, the same way I was with them, I'm going to be with you. He told Jacob who he was and then told Jacob who he was. Maybe you didn't get that. God told Jacob who he was and then told Jacob who he was. He was in the house of God laying on the rock, met God there, learned what his his purpose was, but was still Jacob. You can be in the house of God, resting on the rock, but not be transformed. You can be in the house of God, being affected by what's going on, resting, finding energy, but leaving Jacob. 
says the next morning, Jacob got up very early, but, but not, to, not to put a damper on the mood. There's, there's, there's some change in Jacob. Jacob ain't never do nothing for God. Never lived for him, never did nothing, not cared about, not nothing. But then after meeting God, <laughs> he says, Jacob got up very early the next day. He's, he took the stone he had rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil or oil over it. Did, did, did it say that Jacob took anything with him when he left? But it made mention of the oil. If you, if you read the word, there's other places where the oil is used. We won't get into that because we'll get off tro- topic and I won't get back. But it says, he named the place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. He, he, he named it the house of God, even though it wasn't in a place called the house of the God. Then Jacob made this vow, which is funny because when I got saved, I did the same thing. And sometimes, even as somebody who is saved, I still do this. God, if you real, show me and give God stipulations. It says, then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide for me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. God, if you do all this for me, I don't got no problem serving you. That's what he said. That's not Adrian. That's the Bible. That's what he said. So he's giving God these stipulations. The thing about the stipulations is God had already said, I'm going to do all of this for you. So all Jacob was, he still don't believe him. Well, you said you're going to do this, but, but if you do it, I'll, I, then I'll trust you. He was, you got to remember who he was raised by. All he ever seen was deception. All he ever heard was lies. And then you've got God saying, I'm this. Jacob is saying, I don't know if I can believe you. You ever been in that place? I'm your provider. Final notice, God, they about to come get this car. <laughs> Repo man outside, God, you still ain't going to do nothing. My bank account in the negative. What's, I don't got no job. My babies need pampers. I don't know if y'all been in that place. I have. But God. This is where things get, get, get kind of a little more fun. After this moment, Jacob continues to go um, off to a place named Haran to meet his uncle, Laban or Laban. Laban uh, has a daughter, and in that time, it was, it was okay to, you know, to, to marry your, your family members. And he met a woman, and um, her name was Rachel. And Rachel was bad. Want to know how I know she was bad? Because he worked 14 years for this woman. <laughs> 14 years? I love you, but it's 14. I'm 29. 14 years? She must have, bruh, fellas. 14 years, Corey? So when he, he worked seven years, and on his, on his night of his marriage, he met somebody who outwitted him. It was the custom of that tribe and of that time where the eldest sister had to be married before the youngest sister. And they would wear these veils. So Laban, his uncle, 
basically was like, listen, I can't, I can't let you marry my younger daughter because my oldest daughter isn't married. But Jacob was not privy to this knowledge. So they got married and the veil was covering her face. The next morning he woke up and rolled over. And here's the thing. There's a slight difference. The Bible talks about a slight difference, a little difference between the looks of Rachel and her older sister Leah. It says that Rachel was beautiful. She was bad. She was a brick house. But Leah had pretty eyes. <laughs> so, so he married Leah, woke up the next morning, looked at Leah and was like, that's not who I was supposed to marry. Went to Laban and was like, hey, that's not who I said I wanted to marry. And Laban was like, listen, player, um, I can't let you marry my oldest daughter. My younger daughter got to be married. But listen, you can work seven more years and I'll give you Rachel. And he did it. Like I said, Rachel was, she was bad. Now, we're going to pause right there before we go any further. If you read the text, I'm gonna, I'm, if you go on further and you, and you read um, in Matthew chapter 1, it gives a rundown of where Jesus, his lineage, and his lineage traces all the way back because God told Abraham, I'm going to use your family. Jesus came through the lineage of Abraham. Y'all got me? Y'all still with me? Is it good? We're we going to wrap up in a second. This is it. Leah, the birthright, the lineage, went through Leah's womb, not Rachel's. Jacob wanted Rachel. God wanted Leah. Rebecca wanted Jacob. God wanted Jacob. Esau was born. But if Rebecca would have got out the way, God would have maneuvered Jacob's life in order for his promise to come through. Jacob marries Leah. He should have stopped. If you watch the text, by marrying Rachel, he created more conflict. The lineage that Jesus came through was Leah's. Rachel was a want. Leah was the need. Once again, this family is not recognizing the promise. We're going to jump back on track. So after building up wealth, after building up life in 14 years, working for Laban, married to both his sisters, built this immense fortune, built, built money, and he, he built a life for his family. But Laban and Jacob started beefing. They, started con, they, they, they become, um, became in conflict. They started bumping heads. And once again, Jacob's response to the conflict within this relationship is to run. So in the night, he devises this plan, and they begin to move. Laban wakes up and was like, where is this dude? Jacob already gone. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 31, verse 20. We're wrapping up. Chapter 31, verse 20. Go ahead, D, you can put it up there. Jacob outwitted Laban, the Aramean, 
for they set out secretly and never told Laban they were leaving. Once again, he gets into conflict in a relationship and he runs. And he runs. Go ahead and give me Genesis chapter 32. And you you don't have to put it up yet. So Jacob takes his family and he sends his family away. When he's running, he comes back into conflict with his brother, Esau. Now he's scared Esau still remembers what he did. Y'all remember Esau? That's the brother he robbed. Finds out Esau is coming his way. So Jacob devises a plan to start sending Esau gifts. Give him gifts so he don't hurt me. Sends him these gifts, sends his family away, and Jacob is by himself. Or so he thought. Go ahead and give me 32. And Jacob started on his way again. Angels of God came to meet him. And in this verse, what begins to happen in this chapter is Jacob is at a place and he thinks he's by himself and he begins to run. There it says, it says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. Keep going. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. So he sends away his wife. He sends away his possessions. He's all by himself. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. Keep going. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. Everybody say all alone. And the man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. This is this is where everything comes right here to the climax. He ran from his past. Got away from it. Came to a place where he was tired and laid his head on the rock. The rock came to him, said, this is who I am. Jacob comes in contact with God, but still remains Jacob after he has an encounter with God. He's in the house of God, has an encounter with God, but still remains Jacob. His thinking, the way he's always been taught, what people have called him is Jacob. Everything he has ever known up until this point has been Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. That's not just a name. It was his identity. Back then, a name wasn't a name. When, when Abraham said, I'm Abraham, what he was saying is, is, I'm the father of many nations. When Isaac said, I'm Isaac, it meant laughter. When Jacob said, I'm Jacob, he was saying, I'm a deceiver. I'm what they called me. I'm what I've been taught to do my whole life. This is all I've ever known. I'm from the hood. I'm from New York. I'm the hood. And it was a whole bunch of stuff going on around me. And a whole bunch of stuff. Statistics say, let me give you my, real quick, my, my, my dad, and, and, and this is no shot, this is just facts. So I'm not bad-mouthing anyway. anyone. My dad wasn't around growing up. My dad, my, my mom and dad were never in love. I was, I, I, I never saw what it meant to have two parents in a household I never knew what it was to have a dad, except for my mom. My mom stepped in that role, and she she did her thing. But I never knew that. 
My mom struggled. She fought. Her biggest fight was, was narcotics, she, narcotics abuse. So I watched my mom do things and say things and, and deceive people. And that life, if you've ever known someone who's been addicted to drugs or alcohol, that's not them. It turns them into something that is deceitful and dirty. And I knew that wasn't my mom, but her hungry need outweighed the promise for her life in those moments. And she would do things and she would sacrifice things. She would steal and people around me. And it's not it wasn't just her. And I'm not bad. She was the queen of my life. Don't please don't think I love my mom. I'm just giving you an example of what it looks like to be in contact with somebody and to watch it. And I watched what drugs did to her. I watched what her sin, her hungry needs do to her. And I couldn't understand it. And I was so mad at her because every time she used drugs, I felt like she was picking drugs over me. And I would get so upset and I would take it out on her and we would argue and there was so much friction and there was and she would look at me and she say, Adrian, you don't understand. You think I want this? And I never understood what what it meant to have that kind of need. I never knew what what she what 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 was what's wrong with you, ma? And then she told me her story. She was raped by her father. And nobody believed her. So she ran away from home. Because of her home life, she ran. She turned to the streets. And she became a person whose intent was to survive. And to escape her reality, she turned to drugs. She told me later on in life before she passed that sometime, like my, my grandfather, which is crazy to call him, the one who mistreated my mom, he'd whistle all the time. And she said that she would wake up in the middle of the night and she would hear his whistle. And after she told me this, her struggle, the thing that I hated most about her and her life came into focus. Because when you figure out someone's story, sometimes when you see their actions, you get upset and you get mad. But when you figure out their story, you go, oh, it's a win. You're triumphant to still be standing. And when I learned her story, and I used to tell her the story of Jacob all the time, she loved it because of what we're about to talk about and what we're about to end with. Jacob ran his whole life from everything that influenced him and hurt him and turned him into Jacob. Several times he met God, but he still remained Jacob. He came to a point where he kept running. He ran from his problems. He ran from relationships. And then he came to a point when he was by himself. And God showed up. Genesis 32, 22. 
It says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob alone in a camp. And a man came and wrestled, everybody say wrestled, with him until the dawn became to break. It said that night he sent away everything and a man came and he wrestled with him until the morning. Jacob has come into contact with somebody who is refusing to let him run. He's fighting this man back and forth all night long. And somewhere throughout this, something happens to Jacob. Says he's wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man, not Jacob, snap, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip. Jacob is trying to get Jacob is trying to get away. He's been running his whole life away from these situations. Jacob's trying to run. The man is saying, no, come back here. Jacob's trying to get away. Uh Uh-uh, you're not going to come back. I mean, you're not going to go nowhere. Jacob's trying to run. The man said, you know what? I ain't about to fool with you no more. Touch your hip. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. You ain't about to run no more, boy. What have you been running from? What in your life is God saying it's time and you keep going this way? God done promised you stuff, done put stuff in your spirit, done had people prophesy into your life. And you keep running from it. And you're going to keep running to the point where God's going to have to touch your hip. You're going to have a touch your hip encounter with God. He's trying to run. No, you're not going nowhere. I'm going to touch your hip, wrench it out of socket. Jacob's walk. Never mind. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said... You know what, God? Okay. I'm not running no more. But I ain't letting you go. I'm at a point in my life, God, where me and you done went back and forth all night. And I'm in your house and I'm next to you. I'm tired of feeling this way and fighting these fights and staring what I've been staring at and going up against what I'm I'm not letting you go. I'm not leaving this sanctuary. I'm not leaving my prayer closet. I'm not getting off my knees. I'm not going to stop pacing. I'm not going to stop believing until you bless me. I'm not letting you go. You don't got to worry about me running no more. I'm right here. You don't touch my hip. I'm not going. Bless me. I need you. I'm not going nowhere. I'm done running. It's enough. I'm tired. Give me your blessing. He already had the blessing from his human father. And it wasn't enough. He had the leadership and he had the money. And it wasn't enough. I'm not letting you go. Then God 
the man asks Jacob a question, and it brings us back to Romans 12 as we close. And you can start playing, Corey. It brings us back when it says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and don't think too highly of yourself. And I said earlier, don't think too lowly of yourself. God knows you. And he has a plan for you. And he has a promise for you. And everything he says in his word is true. Or he can't be God. And because this is true, and because he created you, he knows the number of hairs you have on your head. So he knows your name. So when he looks at Jacob and he says, what is your name? He wasn't asking Jacob what his name was. Remember back then it wasn't just a name, it was your identity. He wrestled with Jacob. He chased Jacob. He came to Jacob in a dream. He wrestled with him. He changed the way Jacob would be able to move forever. After this encounter with God, his walk was different. I don't know if you, I don't, are you here? An encounter with God, a true encounter with God will change your walk. It doesn't matter how you came in. If your if your encounter with God is truthfully and utterly transparent and truthful and transformational, your walk will never be different. And God wrestled with Jacob. He didn't let him go. He chased him down. He said, you can be a surplanter for now, but I'm going to come to you in a dream and tell you who you are. And I'm going to tell you who I am. I want you to see me. I want you to know me. I want to be in relationship with you. Know God. Let me go. I'm not letting you go. Well, if you don't let me go, I won't let you go. But I won't let you go ever. But I need your blessing. And God looked at his son. What's your name? Who are you? And as Romans chapter 12 thinks, you can't think too high of yourself. You have to have a sober mindset. You have to know who you are. But before you know who you are, you have to know whose you are. And God gave him a name. And he said, you shall no longer be called Jacob. You shall no longer be known by what your mama taught you or what your daddy taught you. Or what your environment created within you. We get to points where we blame our environment. We get to the point where we blame people. We say, it's not my fault that I'm this way. He hurt me. She hurt me. I am my hurt. I am depression. I am hurt. I am pain. I am let down. I am lies. I am cheating. I am unfaithfulness. I am brokenness. What is your name? I'm unworthy of your love, God, is what you're saying. I'm not worthy of you. I don't, I don't know you. I'm not this person. What is your name? Who are you? Do you know who I've created you to be? You shall no longer be broken. You shall no longer be hurt. You shall no longer be full of pain. You shall no longer be depressed. You shall no longer be not worthy. You shall be Israel. For you have overcome God and man. 
What in your life have you been running from? What in your life has God been trying to break through? What point in your life will you realize that no matter how low you go, no matter how high you go, no matter how far you go, no matter what you do, God is right next to you saying, just grab hold of me. Just grab hold of me. Let me change you. Let me rename you. You are not that. It doesn't matter if you're young. It doesn't matter if you're old. What are you dealing with this morning? That God is in so much of a hurry to heal God wants to heal you more than you want to be healed. Is it going to take a touch your hip moment for your life to change? Or this morning, will you say, I refuse to be cookie cutter, where I refuse to continue to live the life that I've been living? Or am I ready to step and walk in my destiny? There are people in this room who are broken, and I know it's long. I'm looking at the time, and I apologize. But I'm so in love with God's word, and I'm so in love with what I believe he wants to do in your life this morning. What is God saying to you? What, what, and where in your life does he want to change that name? What are you still dealing with that you're, that you're identifying with? What is the scarlet letter on your chest? Maybe you're like my mom where something happened so long ago that you can't see it anymore, but you still hear the whistles of it. What wakes you up in the middle of the night and frightens you? What are you scared of? What are you worried about? Do you know who God is? Do you realize that, that, that none of the work, he just wants to love you. It was meant to be a relationship. It was meant to be a conversation amongst friends. He just wants to embrace you. I'm not trying to give you this cookie cutter. This is truth. What in your life do you need God to heal? What do you need? What in your life do you need God to rename? Is it substance abuse? Is it alcoholism? Is it pain of your past? Is it failed relationships? Is it feeling not worthy? So you just need a refreshing this morning. In a moment, I'm going to ask my dad to come up here. And, 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 and it's not because I don't feel worthy. It's not because I feel, don't feel worthy. I want to respect the, the patriarch of this house. And, and I'm going to be honest. This wasn't just for y'all. This was for me. I'm going to go down and I want to be prayed for. Listen, listen. If I'm the one speaking... And I'm not worried about what people are going to think about me by going up and get prayed for. You don't got no excuse. Don't play church this morning. If you're hurting and you need God, you need a touch of God to touch your life. You need regeneration. You need reformation. You need a touch of God on your life this morning. I'm going to ask you to come in a second. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. 
once again. Thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.